Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So today, um, I'm going to talk to you about something that's a little bit challenging, but that's okay, because we don't just come to church to uh, receive and get spiritually fat and just hear lip service, right? We come to learn and be challenged by the Word of God, right? So in our church recently, we've been using a word a lot, revival. You might not know what revival means. Well, revival is a spiritual awakening and an activation of God's people turned back to him. And revival will often begin when people come under deep conviction and they cry out to God in confession and in repentance for their sins. And whenever I pray for revival in our church, in the global church, and in my family, I hear the Lord tell me as your pastor, Jenny, pray for holiness. So what is holiness? And why is it necessary to usher revival into the church? Well, I'm gonna teach you about that today. So my message is called Personal Holiness, A Roadmap to Revival. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together here today in church. I pray that you would anoint my words with the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let your wisdom flow through me, Jesus, and I pray that your favor would fall upon this church and upon the ears of everyone who hears what you have to say to your church today. In Jesus' name, amen. So like trees, words have roots. If you dig underneath the letters, you will discover their definition. The root word of holy in Hebrew means to cut or to separate. When applied to everything outside of God, whatever is holy is set apart unto God and for God. The word sanctify means to set apart for a special use or purpose. God sanctified the seventh day of creation, the Sabbath, setting it apart from all other days as one in which his people were to rest in him. That is why the Sabbath is called holy throughout the Old Testament. God separated it, he set it apart. Another example is in Exodus 3:5. The ground on which Moses stood in front of the burning bush was called holy because the presence of God sanctified it, set it apart from all the other ground. So to say that God is holy is to identify his position as set apart. 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16 says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. God calls us to holiness because he calls us to himself and his nature is holy. Because his nature is holy, we must be holy like him. We must be set apart from sin. Hebrews 12, 12 to 14 says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness isn't just something that we're called to. Without it, we cannot see God. Now there's an important story in the book of the Bible in Ezekiel chapter 44, if you can turn there. And in this story, we see two Levitical priests, two households, one household of Eli, one household of Zadok. You'll know what those mean by the end of my message. Eli's house lacked personal holiness, let God, yet God continued to allow them to minister to people and to be used by him for a season. But Zadok's house was different. They were able to minister both to God and to people because they made personal holiness a priority. So I'm gonna read a good chunk of scripture, Ezekiel 44, 10 to 19, because it's good to read the word of the Lord in church, amen? amen. 
All right, so read along with me. And don't be nervous in the service, okay? It's all right. This first part is about Eli, his family. The Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray and who wandered from me after their idols must bear the consequences of their sin. They may serve in my sanctuary, having charge of the gates of the temple and serving in it. They may slaughter the burnt offerings and sacrifices for the people and stand before the people and serve them. But, everyone say but. But because they served them in the presence of their idols and made the house of Israel fall into sin, therefore I have sworn with uplifted hands that they must bear the consequences of their sin, declares the Lord. They are not, say not. They are not to come near me to serve me as priests or come near any of my holy things or my most holy offerings. They must bear the shame of their detestable practices. Yet I will put them in charge of the duties of the temple and all the work that is to be done in it. So here's a different family, the family of Zadok. But the priests who are Levites and descendants of Zadok and who faithfully carried out the duties of my sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from me are to come near to minister before me. They are to stand before me to offer sacrifices of fat and blood, declares the sovereign Lord. They alone are to enter my sanctuary. They alone are to come near my table to minister before me and perform my service. When they enter the gates of the inner court, they are to wear linen clothes. They must not wear any woolen garment while ministering at the gates of the inner court or inside the temple. They are to wear linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments around their waists. They must not wear anything that makes them perspire or sweat. So what on earth does this seemingly archaic chapter in the Bible have to do with you and I today? Well, Revelation 1.6 says that we are all kings and priests unto God. So this sermon is for you, because under the new covenant, being a priest is not about being a preacher. Any of us believers are priests unto our God. So in this passage of scripture, Eli was the high priest. He forgot what it was to be holy and set apart. He allowed himself to get very lazy and consume with the flesh, undisciplined. In his old age, he was blind. He had been in ministry so long that he literally lost his vision and he refused to discipline his wicked sons. Eli was a mess spiritually and so was his family. He got busy doing church while immorality ran rampant in his household. Now I think it's interesting that the personal sin of Eli's house doesn't stop him from ministering to the Lord in the temple. We've all heard of people, pastors in life, who maybe have a big, powerful public ministry, but privately, it turns out, they were living a life of sin when they fall. You can see someone's outward success, but what's really going on with them on the inside? We can all give lip service. How are you doing? Fine. Great. They might tell you they're great. Ask their spouse, ask their kids. They'll really tell you. Your kids tell us every week and cause kids anyways, so. <laughs> Romans 11:29 says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. When God gives a gift, he does not take it back or render it useless. For a season, God may allow someone to function as normal, even in their sin, because he is long-suffering and he is gracious and he is merciful. But there is a catch to living a secret life of sin. Eli's family was allowed to use their gifts to sing, to pray, to prophesy, to teach, to lead a life group, to build a business, whatever. 
God was giving them time to get it right. His Holy Spirit was gonna bring conviction. God will let people living unholy lives to minister to people, to them, the Bible says, to you, because his word will not return void. Do you know that God loves his people so much that he will use anyone and anything to minister to his people who he loves so much? The Bible shows us that he used a donkey, a whale, a lion, a fish, a bird, and lots of sinners to minister to other people. He is no respecter of persons. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. The family of Eli lived by the adage, I can live how I want to and my gift still works. Judgment didn't immediately come. So they kept on sleeping around, kept on drinking, partying, looking at nasty stuff online, lying, being slothful and lazy. When your attitude as a believer is, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission, then you're in trouble. You're operating with the heart of Eli's sons, which has major consequences. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to underline this verse in Ezekiel 44, 13. It says this about the house of Eli, they are not to come near to serve me. In my opinion, this is one of the scariest scriptures in the Bible. It's possible for my ministry to the body of Christ, to the church, to you, to be all about me, to be an outward performance. I can be ministering to you using all the gifts that God has given me after gossiping, lying, slandering, and doing Lord knows what the night before. Don't worry, I didn't do any of that. God would give me grace for a season because it's possible to be used by him to minister to people while at the same time not ministering to God. That's scary. This was the family of Eli. They looked religious. They looked good on the outside, but on the inside they were unclean. And that uncleanliness, that lack of personal holiness is what separated them from God. Listen, I know that we all wanna do well and we wanna be successful in what God has called us to do. I don't think anyone is born and says, I want to fail. But more than that, we need to be close to the Lord. We need to be pure, we need to be clean. We need to be holy like Jesus, set apart and made new. Personal holiness is the missing ingredient in the lives of many Christians today. We cry out and pray to be close to God. And listen, he wants that too but it's more on you than it is on him. What is separating you from him? It's sin. I don't feel God, I don't hear him, my relationship with him is all like lip service. I come to church, I do my thing, I go home, nothing changes during the week. What is wrong with me? Why don't I feel close to God? Why is nothing in my life shifting and changing? Maybe the answer is that you got wrapped up in doing the outward things, but failed to keep your inner world pure, holy, and set apart. Just something to think about. God looks beyond the surface. He looks at our linen underwear, as the passage says. This is a symbol of personal holiness. He sees the holiness and purity or lack of it in your life that no one else can see. But in verse 15, in Ezekiel 44, we see that the house of Zadok faithfully kept God's standards for holiness. 
Verses 15 to 18 say, they are to come near to minister before me. They alone are to enter my sanctuary. They alone are to come to my table to minister before me. When they enter the gates of the inner, inner court, they are to wear linen clothes. They must not wear any woolen garment. They are to wear linen turbans and linen undergarments around their waists. They must not wear anything that makes them perspire or sweat. Zadok's family, they were able to submit to God by showing them the inner parts of themselves, that personal holiness, allowing him to clean them out so that when they were in his presence, they were pure, they were set apart. The last part of this verse says, they, they must not wear anything that makes them perspire or sweat. God only uses the word sweat twice in the Old Testament. Once here and once in Genesis 3.19, which says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you will return. When Adam sinned, God's punishment was, you will have to produce everything by the sweat of your brow. Sweat in Hebrew means sweat, as you would think about it, but unclean. It also means to tremble, quiver, quake, or be in terror, to shake violently. So the curse put upon man was for him to sweat while working, while doing the work of the Lord, while going to work in his cubicle every day, to be unclean and separated from God, to be so stressed that he would have physical symptoms of a panic attack every time he put his hands to work. That doesn't sound fun. Going back to the priests of Zadok, God says when they're working in the temple, when they're doing the work of the ministry, he didn't want them to wear wool, which is heavy, keeps in heat, and would obviously make them sweat and unclean. God wants the priests to wear linen underwear and turbans, a symbol of purity and holiness. I don't know if you've ever seen linen, but it's a very, very lightweight fabric. It's breathable. You don't sweat in it. Priests must dress themselves in linen underwear so they could go about doing their work without sweating, being clean and pure before the Lord. And just as a side note, in Genesis 1, 28 to 30, we see that God's original plan was for your work, for the work of the ministry, for the work that you do to provide for your family was not meant to be stressful. It was meant to be enjoyable. It was during the fall that all of that changed. God doesn't want us sweating, being all stressed out when we come into his presence. It's not our gifts or our talent, but our relationship with him that's more important than anything. And you will minister to them, to the people, if you minister to me first, God says, living a life of personal holiness. So what is personal holiness? Number one, it is private. 1 Samuel 16, seven says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We see in Ezekiel 44, 18, it says they are to wear linen undergarments. Listen, nobody knows what you have on under your priestly outfit, under your clothes today. No one knows what color your underwear are or if you're wearing them at all. <laughs> That's funny. Only God and you know if you're living your life truly for him, if you're in a if your inner life is constantly being purified. Underwear covers the most intimate parts of our bodies and it doesn't show externally, at least it shouldn't, right? It's not meant to. You boomerang babes on your Harleys, like driving behind you on the freeway, having to shield my son's eyes. 
As Jensen would say, some of the women in here need to stop dressing biblically, lo and behold, right? And protect the eyes of the men who get whiplash and a smack on the head from their wife every time you walk by. Can I get an amen, right? Come on. So listen, both Eli, I, 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 if I'm anything, I'm honest, so fault me for it. Both Eli and Zadok priesthoods are at the cause church. Both are serving the Lord and ministering to him, or ministering to the people, I'm sorry. Maybe even ministering to their families. But only one has intimacy with God. One is accepted by the Lord, and one is held at arm's length. It's not God's decision, it's yours. The difference is linen underwear, it's personal holiness. That which cannot be seen. It's not just what's going on in your public life, it's what's going on in your private life that really matters. Number two, personal holiness is personal. It's only ever between you and God. Second Timothy 2, 20 to 21 says, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. There are vessels of honor and dishonor. God is demoting some and he's promoting others. Second Timothy 2.19 says, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The NIV there says, turn away from wickedness. This means, church, that you need to get on your knees and repent and keep working on staying honest and clean before the Lord. He will draw you unto himself and he'll bless you for it. But if you ever get to the place where you're playing the charade of being a Christian, then let this be a warning. You have a season to change. God will help anyone who truly wants to be helped. And when it comes to personal holiness, you can have one of two relationships with God. You can have an outer court relationship, like the house of Eli, saved and born again, but I refuse to let God into my internal world. I'm gonna keep drinking, keep looking at things that I shouldn't, keep sleeping around because I want to because it's just part of my life. It's what my family does. It's what I've always done. That's no excuse. God will use you on the surface because he uses anything, right? He can use a donkey. He can use you. He can use me. God says you can minister to them for a season, but you will not come near to me. That's scary. Or you can have an inner court relationship with God, like the priests of Zadok. This person says, Lord, purge me and purify me. Take anything you need to out of my life. Cut away people, cut away habits. Anything that you need to, I will take up my cross and follow you. To this person, God says, come near to me. Because we've been set apart, we've been made holy. At the end of your life, do you wanna hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. The choice is up to you. Now listen, this isn't a judgment message. It's actually a message of God's grace and his mercy. He will give you another chance. He is long suffering. He still loves you, you're still his child. But you will not come near to him. Something will be missing from your life, from your ministry, and from your family if you don't get this right. We don't just want a church that ministers to people. 
We want a church that ministers to God because he is worthy. He is worthy of our praise and our adoration and our thanksgiving. He is worthy of our time and our talents and our treasures. He is worthy of everything. And how do I get close to him? It's by making sure that my inner life is pure. It's making sure that I can be in his presence by being honest with him about what's going on on the inside of me and letting him wash it clean. Saul had no idea that David, a heart player in his house, was his replacement. God was long suffering and he gave Saul time to change, but alas, he did not. Pharaoh had no idea that his daughter's little adopted Hebrew baby would grow up to replace him and destroy his dynasty. God gave Pharaoh many chances to obey him, but he did not. The Pharisees looked so holy in their black robes, walking around, praying and fasting in public, posting it on social media, hashtag juice fast. They had no idea that they'd be replaced by a carpenter's son from a backwood town called Nazareth who would move out all that religious nonsense and replace it with pure, real ministry. You're either with the priesthood of Eli who do the work of the ministry, but you're held at arm's length or you're with the priesthood of Zadok, who have true intimacy and who God says, you can come near to me. God is long suffering, he's not in a hurry. Have you ever noticed that he does things on his own time? It's so frustrating. <laughs> Eli was corrupt, immoral, and dishonest. His sons were sleeping with women in the church. And I'm gonna talk about this for a minute. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. It's dangerous, it makes you Unclean and impure, so stop it. You can go get drunk, get high, smoke, or vape your days away. That's your personal choice. In America, we, we would say, you do you. You got freedom to do that. But that's not bringing you closer to God and you know it. So just get rid of all that stuff. It's not worth it. It's not worth being held at arm's length to give in to a life of sin. Oh, I just do it for fun, you know, for leisure. It's what my friends do to relax. What a load of garbage, come on. <laughs> you can justify anything you want to yourself, but you're not fooling God. What if that glass of wine or that cigar is keeping you in the priesthood of Eli? What if it's okay for you? But what if that secret sin is a gateway to addiction and bondage for your kids and grandkids? just something to think about. This is true, this is in your Bible, okay? I understand that there are people who hear messages like this and they're like, I'm not strong enough to do this. Man, I want to, I wanna change, but I don't know how. I, don't, I feel weak, I've tried this before and I failed. Listen, anyone who truly wants to be clean and they want to be free, God will provide a way. Sometimes you need to partner with other people to help you. This is the beauty of our Celebrate Recovery ministry that we have here that meets every Friday night. Their amazing leaders will give you every tool you need to be free, but your heart has to be in the place where you want it. We all know that if you drop someone off at rehab, kicking and screaming, and force them into a program, they can go through the motions on the outside, check off all the boxes, but the moment they leave, they're gonna pick up that pipe again. They have to want to be clean. We have to want to be clean. God will never force himself on us. His grace is available to help any person who truly wants to do better. 
I wanna be like Jesus, more Jesus every day. That's been the prayer of my heart since I was 20 years old and I got saved. That's why I need to read my Bible. That's why I need to pray. That's why I need to spend time with other believers. That's why I need to watch what goes into my heart by cutting out certain TV shows, certain authors, certain social media pages, certain subscriptions I need to cancel because some things I might have justified a year ago are not okay today. That's the price of personal holiness. It costs Jesus everything. The least I can do is get rid of the junk and sin in my life so that I can have access to the Father who Jesus pointed to over and over and over again when he walked here on earth. And lastly, personal holiness is paid for. God redeems everything. He even redeemed the curse of sweat on Adam that made him unclean. In Luke 22:44, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane just hours before his arrest and crucifixion. In his anguish, he prayed earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. In the New Testament, the word sweat is only used once and it's here. It means almost the same thing as the Hebrew word for sweat, but the difference is here, it means there is nothing unclean associated with this word. This is important. Jesus' sweat was clean, pure, holy. Adam's sweat was unclean, unholy, impure. Luke is the only gospel writer who mentions sweat like great drops of blood. And there is a rare physical phenomenon known as hematidrosis in which under great emotional stress, the tiny blood vessels rupture in the sweat glands and produce a mixture of blood and sweat. A forensic expert from New York says, hematidrosis is one extreme side effect of the fight or flight response. This occurs when a person experiences stress, anxiety, or very deep fear. Some cases of hematidrosis reportedly occurred when a person was sentenced to execution, like Jesus. Effects that occur in the body associated with hematidrosis include weakness, dehydration, and high anxiety, which in turn make a person sweat blood. Hematidrosis also results in the skin becoming extremely tender and fragile, which would have made Christ's pending physical insults even more painful. As Jesus faced the suffering that lay ahead of him, being made a sacrifice for my sin and yours, his soul was troubled to the depths. He didn't pray in order to discover his Father's will or to try to change it, but he prayed to be surrendered to it. The first Adam sinned in a garden and was condemned to living by the sweat of his brow. Jesus, the last Adam, obeyed the Father in a garden and conquered the stain of sweat and sin in our lives with his own blood. Jesus is the key to personal holiness. His sweat was clean. It was mixed with his blood. The first time Jesus' blood is ever shed is here in the garden to redeem us from the first curse spoken over man, the curse of sweat and being unclean. Our sin was great, but his love was greater. What could separate us now? There's one more important fact about this verse in Luke. It's the only time in the entire Bible that the word agony is used in this form. And being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly in his sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Agony in Greek means a struggle for victory of severe mental struggles and emotions. 
Jesus was fully God and fully man. He experienced severe agony, a struggle for victory. He was under severe stress. He sweat drops of blood. He was in a mental battle with the enemy. His life during these moments of stress show us that he really can relate with us on every level. As a man, he was stressed and pushed beyond belief, yet he was without sin. When I pray about my stress, the things that I worry and sweat about, Jesus can relate to me because he once felt the same way. Just before Jesus embarked on his destiny in the climax of his ministry here on earth, Satan pressed him the hardest. He felt the physical, psychological, and mental stress of the task that lay ahead of him, the crucifixion. Jesus shows us that sweat, that stress, that torment and panic from the enemy has been overcome by his blood. His own blood was mixed with his clean sweat and sets us free and purifies us, putting us in a position of holiness and intimacy with the Father. That's something that's worthy of praise. So in closing, the house of Eli. I'm saved, I'm doing my own thing. I'll continue to be used by God to minister to them, but I can't get close to God. I'll be held at arm's length because the private parts of my life are off limits to him. The house of Zadok, you will minister to me, says the Lord. I see your linen underwear, I see your private life, and I have permission to clean out and purify you, to make you holy so you can come close to me. Your service to me won't be tainted with sweat or stress because you're committed to a life of personal holiness. Remember, holy means to cut or to separate. Whatever is holy is set apart unto God. Are you set apart today? Personal holiness is private, it's personal, and it's been paid for. If we wanna see revival in the body of Christ, we need to first see revival in our relationship with the Lord. We need to get the stench of sweat and sin off of us. We need to allow Jesus to create in us a pure heart like David writes in Psalm 51. We need to remember that the first precious drops of Jesus' blood were shed so we could be free from the sin of sweat, stress, and uncleanliness. The priests had to do everything in their own power, not to sweat when they were doing the work of the Lord. They couldn't touch anything impure, or the Bible says they would drop dead once they entered the temple. That is how seriously personal holiness is to God. It sets us apart for him to move in our lives. Now Jesus, he went around touching people who were unclean, people with skin diseases, a woman with chronic bleeding, a woman probably naked, thrown before his feet, caught in adultery. He even touched dead people. When he touched them, the Old Testament tells us that impurity should have transferred from those people onto Jesus. But instead, Jesus' purity transferred to them and healed their bodies. Jesus is the human embodiment of God's own holiness. He and his followers, you and me, we are now God's temple so that through us, God's holy presence can go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope to others. This is why in John 7, 37, Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. What does water do? It hydrates, it cleanses, and it purifies. 
That's your calling, church, to hydrate, to cleanse, and to purify. Maybe you identify more with the sons of Zadok today. Your inner world is open territory to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, keep going for it. Maybe you got a fresh revelation today that Jesus' blood has truly set you free from impurity, from the sweat of sin and stress, that it's not a burden you need to carry anymore. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. Eli or Zadok, a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor, the choice is yours. If we want revival, then we simply need to give the Lord permission to look on the inside and purify what needs to be cleansed. Your intimacy with him will soar to new heights and we will see revival in our lives, in our families, in our church, and in our nation. Personal holiness has already been paid for with Jesus' blood. He is worthy of all glory and all honor and all praise. I wanna be connected to him more than anything. Of course, we wanna be used by God to minister to you, but first and foremost, I wanna give glory and honor and praise to him who has given me life, who has set me free. Holiness is an essential part of your intimacy with God, and it's necessary. I hope this message spoke to you today. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc, or call 714-255-0930.